Um, so today we are looking at Esther, as Stevie's already said. Um, and the title of my message today is Living in the Spaces Between, which will become obvious in a moment. Um, now, Esther is one of those stories that, to understand it, you do have to read the entire book of Esther, which, even though they're short chapters, there's still ten of them. So today I thought I would cheat, and this was even before my voice started to go, and that I would start by showing a video which basically summarises the entire story of Esther from start to finish, and then I will come in off the back of it. Is that okay? There we go. The whole story of Esther in a nutshell. So I skipped a few bits that we'll come back to in more detail. There we go. So, as I said, I called this message this morning, Living in the Spaces Between. And basically, as I look at the story of Esther, I see three key events, if I can call them that, or things where it's very plain to see the Lord at work and acting his plan out through Esther. So those three points, as I see it, is one, Esther is taken to the palace. Two, she becomes queen. And three, she saves the Jews, she saves her people. And I've entitled this message today, Living in the Spaces Between. And if you look at this diagram, I am talking about the spaces between these events or these occurrences. And if you actually look at the space between in the story of Esther as well, the space between the first event of taking to the palace and becoming queen, the scripture says it was actually 12 months. So I read this story and I think, okay, this wasn't Esther's plan. She didn't want to be taken with all these other beautiful women in the land into the palace go through 12 months of wondering why on earth am I here, what's going to happen to me, etc., etc. I'm sure she didn't even want to become queen, really, although the Lord did bless her in that and you know, made sure she was comfortable even in the 12 months between. But I'm sure this wasn't the plan she dreamed of as a young girl, and especially as a Jewish young girl. You know, She didn't dream of marrying a Gentile, because that actually went against the Torah and what she would have been raised to do. So as I read this story, I think, what was going through her mind, I say, in this first 12 months, and indeed even after she became king, king, sorry, queen, what was going through her mind in the other space between before she saved her people? And I just think for Esther and for even for us in our circumstances, when the Lord leads us into certain paths and things, it's when you look at the events alone, you know, I say, you see the first one, you think maybe the Lord's got a plan in this, but then you get to this space between, as I'm calling it, and I think it's the spaces between that are often the hardest for us to live in. It's those moments, you know, where you step in faith into the first event, in obedience and faith, knowing that God wants you there, but then there follows this pause, 12 months two years, three years, you know, it could be any length of time and you're in this space between and you don't know what the next step's going to be. Are you still on the right path? Things could happen in the space between. Doubts can creep in and you don't know if the ending is going to be good or if it's going to be bad. You just know you've ended up in this place that the Lord has put you that you wouldn't have necessarily put yourselves. And it's in the spaces in between where the panic can set in. It's in the spaces between where we can start to plan and engineer stuff for ourselves because the panic is set in. It's in the space between, say, we start to have doubts at times. What happens if the Lord doesn't come through? 
what's my plan B? Or what if he does come through and I don't like what happens? That's what goes through your mind in the spaces between. So today I want to look at four things that I see in the story of Esther and and Esther herself that I think are good for helping us to live in the spaces between. So the first one is we need to remember who God is. He is at work all the time in the things we see, but more importantly, as we see in this story, in the things that we don't see. So in this story, we see that even when Esther is not a key player and when she can't see the full picture, the Lord is still at work. He's at work with Mordecai, puts him in a position in the palace, even before he gets made prime minister, if you can call him that then. But again, even in the earlier in the story, he's put in a prominent position for um, saving the king's life. You can even see God at work with Haman and the king. Not necessarily goodies, as you'd call them in this story all the time, but again, you can see God at work in the story. But for Esther herself, she can't see all that going on when she's in this, the spaces in between. Because the Lord's at work and it's unseen to her, but we have the benefit of seeing it in the story here. But all of this is basically setting up her moment in the spotlight when she gets to save her people. So when we're in the same situation and we wonder what on earth's going on and why am I here? What do you want me here for God? You know, why am I in this job? Why am I in this situation? You need to remember that God sees and knows everything. That he is always at work. That he sees the end from the beginning. That he brought about the first event of Esther being taken to the palace so the next two could happen. But, you know, I'm really thankful this morning that God only reveals one step at a time to us. I'm so glad he doesn't tell us all the steps and show us ahead of time. Because I don't know about you, but that would blow my mind and that would be even scarier than living in the space between. You know, what would happen if God had said, I'm taking you to the palace because you're going to save your people? Esther might have had a little freak out, you know. wouldn't have called it that back in the day, but it would be a freak out, you know, and a little panic moment. But God just reveals one step at a time and he never gives us more than we can handle. So we've just got to take that step into the first event, wait, step into the second event, and however many follow. And you know, there's this thing that was mentioned in that video there called providence. And I thought, I'll better look that word up because I thought I roughly knew what it meant. But it's not one we use very often these days. It's not in our vernacular. And it said that it is the continuing and often unseen activity of God in sustaining his universe, providing for the needs of every creature and preparing for the completion of his eternal purposes. So God is at work all the time through his creation, which includes us. And it says preparing for the completion of his eternal purposes. And in this story, he was at work preparing Esther to ultimately save her people. So we need to remember that God is God. We don't need to try and do his job for him. He doesn't need us to do his job. He needs us to do our job that he calls us into. And we couldn't even do his job, even if we tried. He sees the picture and he has wisdom that we cannot even fully fathom. It tells us in Isaiah 55, My thoughts are completely different from yours, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. 
That is our God, wisdom that we cannot fathom. The next thing I see in this story is that Esther seeks wise counsel. She goes to Mordecai, her cousin who she's trusted all along for counsel. And I say apologies, we're missing some of that detail maybe because we rushed through the story, but I would encourage you to go back after this and read the whole book of Esther. And you know, when we are living in the space between, it is the place where we worry most, where we doubt ourselves the most, and sometimes it's the place where we doubt God. It is therefore also the place where we probably talk more as we get advice from other people to try and put our minds at ease that we are doing the right thing. I'm in the right place. Is that first step right? Was that right? Did I do the right thing? Should I still wait? Should I go? Should I move? What should I do? You know, that's the place you're in. And we talk to other people about that and we're looking for reassurance and what should we do? Will everything be okay? And if you seek advice, you're always going to get it. Do you not find that? If you go to someone seeking advice, you're generally they'll offer you something because we as people generally love to give advice to people and share our opinions, especially as women. Right? I'm not going to speak for the men this morning, but as women, we love it, don't we? We love to, you know, when you get around the lunch table at work and you just want to share all your problems and get it all out there and get feedback and just what we love to do. And when you're in the space between, I say that's the place where you really, you talk the most and you go to people. And I see Esther always sought the counsel of her cousin Mordecai. Even after she was in the palace, surrounded by all these palace officials, she still listened to Mordecai. And what do we know about Mordecai from this story? He refused to bow before Haman. He was a man of integrity who continued to serve God. A man who didn't seek fame and glory for himself. And a man who had taken the time to understand the laws and the workings of the land that they were living in and was respecting authority, even though the Jews themselves were still oppressed, if you can call it that. He still respected the laws of the land. So I want to say this morning that when we seek counsel in the spaces between, please let us seek wise counsel in the appropriate people. Make sure it's the right people. So first I would say seek God himself first for counsel. Then seek godly advice from others. Don't just rush to the first neighbour you meet or someone in the street or anyone. You know, make sure it is godly advice you're getting. And then third, make sure you test all advice and all words, including the words you think are for the Lord himself with scripture. And make sure it's in line with his word because that's how you know if you're even hearing the Lord himself. You test it with his word. And you know, worldly advice will generally always tell you to look out for number one. To do what is right and to succeed and get ahead and all that. But it's all about you, you tend to get. And that was the wisdom we see here that Haman received as well when he asked his friends towards the end of Esther, you know, what should I do about Mordecai? And it was all about how he could make himself look better and get rid of his enemies and put himself number one. And that didn't turn out very well, as we saw. And I apologise for the non-PG bit of that video. It was a little gruesome, that little sketch. But, you know, that's what happened to Haman. So, you know, make sure you seek wise counsel. Third thing I see in the story is obedience from Esther to move at the right time. So again, when the Lord told her, you know, it was time to hold her banquets, then that took obedience, but it also took courage. Because it was in the space between that Esther was told to act so the next event could happen. 
You know, God is in control throughout this whole story. But Esther and Mordecai still had to act. They had to take action. So even God was controlling everything. It took them and their obedience to act. And especially in Esther's case, it took incredible courage. If I die, I die. Or as the video said, if I perish, I perish. And you know, it's the same for us. God asks us to be obedient to him. You know, that says all through scripture. And in fact, that could be a whole sermon itself, what it means to be obedient to God. But just put in simple terms this morning, that is what we're called to do. Scripture says, he is our father, we are his children, therefore we should be obedient. And again, I'm deliberately throwing that word in this morning because it's a word that has fallen out of our church vernacular at times because it's a hard word, obedience. But I'm not going to dodge that word this morning because that's what we're called to do. We're called to be obedient to God. However, God also gives us free will. And even in this story, Esther still had free will. She you know, could choose to go and act in courage and be obedient, or she could choose not to. Because as we see in um, chapter 4, verse 14, it says, If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance from the Jews, this is Mordecai speaking, will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. What's more, who can say but the, that you have been elevated to the palace for just such a time as this? So Mordecai basically says to her, well, if you don't do it, deliverance will come from somewhere else. So that, to me, suggests she still had the same free will that we have today to be obedient to the Lord or to walk away and say, let someone else do it. But as this verse says at the end, and this is the key verse in Esther, it says, for such a time as this, you've been put there. So she decides to have the courage and to be obedient. And, you know, I love the commentary. When I looked at this passage in the Life Application Bible, it said in the commentary, God chooses to work through those willing to act for him. We should pray as if all depended on God and act as if all depended on us. We should avoid the extremes, doing nothing and feeling that we must do everything. The courage to act. So what gives us the courage to act? Again, another scripture from the New Testament this time. says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of my might, your might, his might. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power is what we're told in scripture. So that's what gives us the courage to act. So those moments where we think, Lord, I'm not strong enough. I can't do this. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. His might, which never diminishes. The Lord's never weak. He's always strong. So obedience and courage. Which leads me to my last points from this passage. God's timing is perfect. He is never late. We don't need to try and do everything. And we certainly don't need to try and rush and speed up the spaces in between. It's very tempting. Would you not just love to have a fast forward button? I think of these, actually, I think of these spaces in between as a pause button on your remote control. Because you feel like everything's paused, but God knows nothing's paused because everything's still moving, as we've said before. He's working, seen and unseen, but it feels like the pause button's been hit sometimes. And then we'd love to have a remote control and just fast forward. Oh, I just want to get to the end of this period, God. I want to know what you've got in store for me. And is it good? Is it bad? What's, what's happening? 
But you know, sometimes we need to be still and wait for the Lord to finish his work in the spaces between, to finish the work that is unseen to us so that his timing is perfect to step into the next milestone or event in our lives. And I do see that in Esther in this passage as well. I say she had 12 months, especially in that first stage as well of beauty treatments and things before she was even sent to the king. And I don't see her panicking. Okay, we don't know every detail. But at the same time, I don't see any panic. In the second space between for her again, I don't see a lot of panic. Why am I here? She's waiting and trusting in the Lord. And you know, does anyone ever have theme songs for moments, for like seasons in their life, or is that just me? You know, where you hear a song and you think, Lord, that song's for me in this moment, and I'm just going to play it when I really can't get through the day. Okay? Yes, I'm not alone, right? We have these. And again, I trust these themes, what the songs are ones that speak to the Lord working in our lives as well, and it's not just the latest chart hit, you know? Um, but, you know, again, any country music fans in the house? No? Just a few people want to admit it, right? So... I love Lady Antebellum. Anyone know who that is? Right, Lady Antebellum. Right, so we're talking modern country as well for anyone that thinks, oh my goodness, she's listening to Dolly Parton. No offence, Dolly, but that's not what I'm into. But the Shires, Lady Antebellum, Dixie Chicks, I love all that stuff. Okay, and there is a group from the States called Lady Antebellum. And the lead singers, they've got a male and a female in that group. Well, the reason I mention this is the female from that group I recently discovered has released a gospel album, and it's actually a bestseller already. And her name is Hilary Scott, and she's released this album with her family, so her parents and her sister are singing on the album as well. And I heard this song, I heard it on UCB actually the first time, called Still, and it has become my theme song for where I am at the moment. And I just want to read you the chorus of this song, and it says, Your parting waters making a way for me. You're moving mountains that I don't even see. You've answered my prayer before I even speak. All you need for me to be is still. And you know, that's what we need to be at times. You know, the Lord's going to tell us when we need to move, or even sometimes we'll just have the common sense and God-given brain tells us we need to move. But there's other times where God just says, I'm at work. You just be still and honour me where you are. Work for me where you are, where you've been placed, but just be still. Because he's moving mountains that we don't even see. He's parting waters that we're not even reached yet. And he's answering prayers before we even utter them. And he just needs us at times to be still. And you know, as I say, that's the theme song for me at the moment. I'm not going to go into every single detail. But again, I've alluded to before a couple of times that I am in a different place in work, if I can call it that. And again, as I was reading Esther, just this week, I'm thinking, Lord, you know, you're speaking to me here as well as giving me a word for your church because I'm currently in a space between. I had event number one, where I was served notice of redundancy. Then two and a half months later, I've got event number two, where he's given me a temporary job for 12 months, which has deferred my exit till next summer. And I see God at work in that because I see I've not got time nor necessarily go into all the details because I might start breaking confidentiality rules at work as well if I'm not careful. But the way that temporary job came about, it wasn't even the one I picked. I went for another one and, and then the Lord just worked in people that were not even part of the story up to that point. Again, a bit like Esther, the Lord's working in unseen ways and the decision was taken out of my hands and I've ended up in this job, which again, if you look at it in worldly terms, 
Okay, it's bought me 12 months, but it's not ideal in every situation because of various things. I say I'm not going to divulge that just now because it wouldn't be fair to the people at my work. Um, but, you know, I find myself in this place where I still think, God, I firmly believe that you've got me here for such a time as this. And I don't think it's just about paying my bills for 12 months. I think something is going to come out of these 12 months that's going to tell me whether I go and have the courage and obedience to act or whether, again, he opens a door where I am. And I don't know. But I'm in the space between. But the Lord, the reason I mention this as well, is not just to talk about myself again. But, you know, the Lord has given me a specific verse where I am in the space between. And, again, I thought it was relevant for us this morning. And that is from, if it comes up, I think I've lost my presentation. I'll just have to read it to you. From Habakkuk 2 and 3. It says, This vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. Now, that's the modern translation. But I say, the Lord tells me it in the way I learned it as a child. And it says, Though it tarry, wait for it. So I've got the King James version in my head, but that's the one I remember. And as I've been praying about where I am and the space between I'm in, the Lord says, though it tarry, wait for it. Don't try and engineer it for yourself. Remember who God is. I'm getting lots of advice from everyone. Everyone at work loves to give me advice and outside of work, and it's all about you do what's right for you. You make sure you get yourself in a good position. So again, I'm trying to seek wise counsel. I've not got to the bit where obedience takes courage yet, but it might be coming at the next stage. But as I say, that's what we need to remember. We need to be obedient at all times. Never want to go down the path you've set for yourself because the Lord's ways are perfect. His plans are right and just and true for us. And his timing is always perfect. So sometimes, like me, we just have to be still. He's moving mountains. He's parting waters. He's doing what he needs to do because he's God and he sees the end from the beginning. So if you're in a space between this morning, don't worry. God's in control. But make sure and say you're seeking counsel from him and from others and listening for when you are told to move in obedience. And remember that God's timing is always perfect. He's never late.